Hello and welcome to another episode of AUSU Open Mic. AUSU Open Mic is a podcast brought to you by the Athabasca University Students Union. We represent undergraduate students from coast to coast to coast and all around the world. Athabasca University is Canada's open university, and I'm delighted to have a couple of guests here to talk specifically about distance education. I have one of your counselors, Blake Collett as well as Brittany Allen. Brittany is the Vice President Academic at the University of Lethbridge Students' Union. I had the chance to hang out with her earlier in the summer, and I thought she'd be a great addition. Welcome to both of you. Oh, thanks, Duncan. I really appreciate you saying that. It was nice meeting you, too. Great to be here again. Good stuff. So I asked both of them on because uh, they have something in common, whether they realize it or not. They've both done courses at a traditional brick-and-mortar university, and obviously Brittany is still at a brick and mortar university at the University of Lethbridge, but you've also had to both do online classes. Brittany, what uh, what courses have you done online? I have done a lot, actually. I think my yeah. first course that I've ever done was when I was back in grade eight. Uh-huh. I was doing uh, math courses. Uh, so I've been doing them for quite a long time. Uh, I've done quite a variety. So yeah, like I said, from math, psychology, um, obviously all of my classes through COVID as well so mostly sciences some liberal education ones as well uh art as well so I have quite a quite a large repertoire of online uh distance learning classes that I've taken excellent what about you Blake have you have you was was your first online course through Athabasca University or had you done some before you you came to our institution I did a uh, diploma program uh with um, CHA distance learning, uh, uh-huh. and that was online, uh, and that was probably in two thousand three, around about there. And Blake, what what kind of uh, traditional classroom learning have you done since you left high school? That was my first diploma. I was in what is now known as College of the North Atlantic. Um, this was back again, going back even further. Uh, it. I, I did it, this traditional brick and mortar institution, uh, no online learning. Everything was structured classes, yeah, uh, Monday to Friday. And Brittany, what what traditional classroom environments have you been in? Obviously, the University of Lethbridge is is more traditional than than Athabasca University. What are you taking? Yeah, so right now I'm a general science and education uh, student, so that's primarily like that brick and mortar school that yeah. we're talking about, right? Um, but even back in my like high school, elementary, middle school, it was also like brick and mortar uh, schooling. Mm-hmm. So we did have that distance learning uh, element. And that's why I've gotten quite a few of my courses through there. But uh, most of it was that brick and mor- mortar traditional style. Mm. What do you guys think is the biggest difference between, you know, post-secondary courses in person versus those online? Uh, for me, I think it's definitely the participation drive um, that I see with students a lot of the time, or even the participation expectations from professors as well. That engagement piece is very huge. Um, I think also in turn with that is also the social aspect. Uh, when it comes to online courses, I've noticed that uh, there's not as much of an element of getting to know your classmates or getting to know your professors or your mm-hmm. teachers as well as when you're in an actual uh, face-to-face, that uh, traditional environment, physical environment that you typically get, right? Yeah. Um, but ob- obviously, I don't want to be completely uh, go be against uh, online schooling, but I think one thing I really liked about it that's different from uh, the physical style is you get a lot more freedom and independence uh, when you do 
uh, online courses, I find that you could do them like the asynchronously style. There's typically quite a few mediums of sharing information and knowledge that just can't be done when you're in a physical setting. Mm -hmm. What about you, Blake? What's the biggest difference did you find? The networking. Um, sometimes I find it difficult with the online learning format. Uh, when you were in a brick and mortar institution, if you, if you learned something that day uh, that you weren't sure of, you could get together with a study group and you were all at the same pace. Yeah. The issue with, with Athabasca is um, you can't do that. Chances are you're not in the same place as other students in your programs. You're doing courses all over the place. Some people are like I network with about five to six health administration students, and they're all we're all at different points in the program. So mm -hmm. we can help somewhat, but it is limited. Um, I, I, the freedom is the part that I like about the online. For me, I work full time with Newfoundland, Newfoundland and Labrador Health Services. So this gives me the opportunity to, you know, uh, do work when I want at night. Some nights I can take off, um, you know, the, the freedom and the only structure you have to have everything completed in six months really works for my schedule. I think a, a lot of our students speak about that freedom and, and part of it just it descends into like where it fits in your schedule, um, both physically and then what time of day. When you guys are doing online courses, when did you find you were the doing most of your work? Were, were you doing it in the night or in the evening? Or uh, what about location? Did you find, did you guys have any interest? Have you guys had any interesting uh, places that you've been able to do schoolwork? For me, I would definitely say that I'm more of a traditional learner in the sense mm -hmm. that I like having that same time, same place kind of style that just works really well for me. So I know even when I was doing online courses, uh, I definitely made sure that it was the same place in the same time. That way, um, for me, I was able to kind of get in that learning headspace. Mm -hmm. um, so I always had like a separate area for my desks in my room uh, during COVID. And I made sure that that place was only for learning. I made sure I wasn't doing anything else. <laughs> uh, definitely no like uh, online games or anything like that. It was only learning. Um, and then typically during, I know for me, I tend to do a lot of my work during the evenings, but I find that I'm actually most productive during the mornings. So take that as you will. Very Fair surprising. Enough. Yeah. What about you, Blake? Where do you tend to study and when do you tend to study? Uh, maybe an age thing for me. I have a big, comfy, easy chair uh, that I do my studying in. Uh, yep. I probably wouldn't have used it 20 years ago, but uh, I guess a bit of arthritis here and there will uh, will make a difference. Uh, most of my work, I find, I get done on the weekends, mm -hmm. um, you know, busy with family things during the week. And uh, it's kind of the quiet time on the weekends to to get whatever studying I need done. Yeah, Blake, you're definitely right about that weekend part for sure. Especially if you have a like a long um, kind of uh, strenuous job or working during the days. No, I definitely agree with that point. Something we constantly hear from our students is, and, and you guys have both touched on this with the lack of networking, the lack of community. There's a, there, it's it's more challenging to stay motivated in an online environment compared to you know, one where there's accountability for showing up every day, or you see yourself being compared favorably or unfavorably to your colleagues. In an online world, it's it's not like that at all. Um, how do you guys stay motivated when you're doing an online course? Hmm. I think for me, I would definitely take quite a few like small breaks. I would typically set a timer for about 30 minutes 
And then if I knew that I wanted to be doing something, like if I uh, wanted to eat something or if I wanted to uh, watch videos or something like that, I would make sure that I would be doing that during the breaks, kind of like as a way to push myself to stay motivated because um, I know when I was doing online, uh, motivation only lasted a short amount of time, right? So I'd mm-hmm. make sure to try and keep it very, very uh, short, uh, short and productive, really. What about you, Blake? I would agree uh, with Brittany. Uh, I find if, if you're at schooling for any length of time, consecutive, say, you know, three or four hours, um, you do lose your motivation. For example, like um, some yesterday, I did some schoolwork when I mowed the lawn and then came back in and did some more schoolwork. So I find that breaking it up, doing other things, you know, uh, giving your brain a break and, and doing more mundane tasks, tasks in between uh, really helps. When you reflect on online courses, like what do you think is the biggest advantage? I know you guys talked a lot about freedom. I, I know a lot of our students would also talk about, you know, the ability to continue their career while doing their education. But but what one thing do you think you would say is the biggest advantage? Me, I would say the flexibility of it all, really the idea that you could do it from anywhere. So if you um, I know like during uh, online schooling, we often talk about the idea that we're not able to. Uh, typically have that same social aspect but also when it comes to an online classroom when I was able to I would go home and be with my family uh, be with some friends that I haven't seen for a long time I was able to have that uh, uh, flexibility when it came to the location and oftentimes the time depending on if you're doing a synchronous or asynchronous um, I would say that would be the biggest advantage it really works for a lot of students that are uh, doing full-time jobs or they have uh, families, as Blake was saying. Uh, it really just, I would say, that's the biggest uh, draw for uh, online schooling. I would agree with that. Um, yeah. As an example, last year uh, I was on vacation and I got an assignment back when I was on vacation in Vegas and there was no major change to be made for the next one. So I submitted my assignment while I was on vac- vacation in Vegas. So th- And that way I didn't lose any momentum. Yeah, I really did. Yeah, I'm sure that's probably the best place to be doing homework in general. Las Vegas. What stays in Vegas or what happens there stays in Vegas. True enough. Yeah. (laughs) The inverse question, the disadvantages. What do you what do you guys think? You know, if you're if you're an incoming student uh, at Athabasca University, but you've taken courses somewhere else, like what's the one thing you would miss most from that traditional environment? Mm, the the social aspect I think yeah. for sure especially when you're someone that uh, tends to stay motivated by being around other people uh, I know this is something that I talk about a lot uh, with my friends that have like autism and ADHD is they often need that uh, secondary person to be there uh, to basically act as a body double for them when it comes to getting work done so I know uh, in that aspect it's not always the best um and I typically me typically I uh yeah I would say the social aspect is definitely what I would miss the most Mm -hmm. for me um the in-classroom learning uh, I found was a lot easier uh when you're being taught yeah Uh, when you run into a lot of concepts in courses like I'm doing a healthcare law course right now there's a lot of difficult concepts and you know if you're being taught the concepts you have a chance to take notes and you're, you're learning from an expert in the field. Um, right now, when you have, you know, tutor options and a lot of students calling tutors, 
Uh, you may only get to speak to them once a week. So you work through your courses. Okay, here's my list of issues I got to go through. And then I have to call the tutor and get some concepts explained and probably go through the same thing the next week. As the courses get harder, that there's more of a need for that. Uh, so that part makes the learning difficult sometimes. Yeah. No, I definitely, that actually, now that you said that, that's a huge thing too. Um, especially I've noticed a lot of professors tend to uh, really appreciate that physical learning because they're able to actually engage with students, um, not even in like a asking questions kind of way, but actually that like body language, that physical uh, facial motions where, I mean, I'm sure like every single uh, person has experienced this when they're in a class and they're getting taught something and they're just like confused and you can see it on their faces. Like that's what uh, professors really love to see because now you're able to actually kind of um, adapt your teaching and your uh, like spreading of your knowledge to make it a bit easier for students as well. So yeah, in, in that way, I would definitely agree with Blake that it is a bit harder because you don't get that same experience of um, like a professor being saying uh, like, hey, does everyone understand this? Like, how are we doing? Uh, when you're online, I feel like a lot of people tend to be a bit nervous in a sense because they don't want to be that person that kind of speaks up, right? And uh, yeah, I, I actually, I really like your point there. Yeah, and, and the feedback I've received from a lot of students since I've become a counselor, um, you know, they can only accomplish so much by email. Uh, it becomes mm -hmm. very challenging. And sometimes, you know, tutor availability is an issue. Uh, but overall, uh, the feedback I get as well from tutors is they don't hear from a lot of students. So a lot of students, uh, it's a detriment to them where they don't know how to use they are not that they don't know how, but uh, they're not used to it, I guess, not used to utilizing their tutors in a certain way. Uh, I was the first, I'd say, five courses completed before I fully utilized the tutor uh, the way I really should have been. So it, mm -hmm. it's a big learning process. And when you, in comparison to the brick and mortar institutions uh, on the social aspect that Brittany commented on, part of, like, when I went to College of the North Atlantic, uh, immediately we had an orientation. Um, here's how you get a hold of, get, get a hold of teachers after class. Uh, here's you know all the different things you need. Um, there's so much with it. There's some with Athabasca, just as an example, but it's not the same when you're not in person. Mm -hmm. No, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I guess more for Brittany to start off with because you've now gone back to that more traditional environment. Is there anything you miss from? Like, I don't think any of us missed the pandemic and and make no mistake, rates are up here, at least in Alberta are up on the rise. But um, mm -hmm. do you miss anything from that online experience or do you kind of more see it as like it was a necessity at the time, but I'm so glad I'm back? Oh, that's a hard one, because like I said, I really like that idea of flexibility. and I find that it was a lot easier to manage my time when I was able to do my schooling all in one place, like. Um, I know from a, a neurodivergent perspective, it's often very difficult for me, at, especially at the beginning of the semester, to kind of navigate moving around campus and having to get used to learning in new spaces all over again. And that's why I really, I actually really liked being online because mm -hmm. I, like I said, I had that one space and I was able to just kind of like get into the zone and get into the mind space of um, learning through all of my material, no matter what it was. Like, uh, it didn't matter if I was doing uh, genetics in my bio uh, courses or if I was like 
doing a creative assignment, coloring assignment in my art class, it was just I had that uh, brain switch, essentially, where I knew what I needed to do. And I knew that I would be able to do it rather than having to be on campus. You're walking around, you're often getting overstimulated with all the people around you. Uh, sometimes like you see your friends or someone that you know, you wanna chat and talk with them. Uh, obviously like getting to class, having to navigate the social aspects of like, where do I sit? Who would I talk to? Um, Cause you don't wanna be like that person that's sitting in the class and not saying anything, right? Mm-hmm. You wanna like be able to find your friends. You wanna be able to actually be talking to someone, right? So yeah. I th- I actually think uh, it's to me being in uh, COVID wasn't a drawback for me, actually. I find that I actually learned or I grew a lot more as a learner than I ever probably could have. And if I just continued uh, doing my education in a physical space, like a, the brick and mortar institution that we're talking about, I mean. Yeah, I know it's, it's not quite the same, but when I before I, I worked at Athabasca University Students Union, I, I worked in a much more traditional office. And and now I, I work from home. And I, one thing I always think of is I do not miss the commute in any way, shape or form. Literally. And I know. I, I it's, it's money and time and stress that I just no longer have. Sorry, I was just going to add, like, especially if you're uh, someone that has uh, other things to do, like if you are the main caretaker of your home, you have kids to look after or you have any sort of dependence even. Uh, I know even pets can be a huge thing for a lot of people as you have to, like, make sure they're all ready for the day and in addition to yourself. Right. So uh, just like that whole it's a whole new stressor that a lot of people don't really think about until we actually uh, didn't have to think about it anymore, right? Just like what you're saying. Yeah. What about you, Blake? Do you think there are any hidden advantages that might not come to mind right away, but are obviously there when it comes to distance education? I think, again, the portability piece. Yeah. Um, and I, I think we, we can't emphasize that enough because it's really advantaged me at times when the traditional brick and mortar institution would have held me back. Getting to it, I remember at the time I was... Uh, 18 years old when I went to uh, College of North Atlantic. Um, I didn't have a vehicle. It was a three-kilometer walk every day for me. So it was a bit of a, a bit of a trudge. And I used to walk to college and home every evening. Um, and of course, when you know, with our great East Coast winters, uh, that became quite difficult and, and quite uncomfortable. So that part, uh, knowing that when I get home from work and I get my brain settled or on the weekend, uh, I get a nice warm spot where I can sit down and do my work and not have to worry about uh, going out and getting frostbitten. I'm wondering, and it, it's it's still far too early to tell this for sure, but do we think more and more education institutions are going to be offering either distance options or or hybrid options? I, I mean, certainly, even if we just reflect back before the pandemic, there was large numbers of brick and mortar institutions that would offer, you know, occasional things online, but for the most part, it was very rooted in place do we think that there's going to be this kind of like transformation or are we just going to settle back in our old silos and Athabasca University will be the distance one and and everyone else will be the the traditional experience? Well, I mean, if no one else does uh, online education, then y'all just have all the students. Yeah. That would be so much fun. Uh, but on a serious note, I actually have noticed uh, quite a bit from the U of L uh, 
that we are actually moving more towards like hybrid and high flex learning environments. So um, it works really well for us because we have a very large majority of our management students that are on our Calgary campus. Mm-hmm. And obviously you can't have them driving uh, two plus hours to come to Lethbridge or the other way around. And we obviously can't have uh, just separate professors for each campus. So uh, it works very, really well for that uh, school because it's our Dillon School of Business. Uh, our school has specific classrooms that they've made up that are uh, actually built to be used for Zoom integration. Mm-hmm. So I think it's only really a matter of time before we have those kind of classrooms built into all of our schools and all of our uh, departments, really. Because um, I know a lot of uh, different professors really like the uh, flexibility that comes with it. They like the idea that they can kind of change the modality of their classroom. So really, I I do think that it'll be something, I don't think every school will do it, but I think the ones that are kind of already uh, working towards it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to find that they will embrace it even further down the, down the line. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Blake? Do you think more and more institutions will offer online stuff? Yes. Um, I think uh, also Brittany stole my thunder with a term. I was going to <laughs> hybrid. Hybrid, yes. Um, I think that hybrid is going to be the way of the future. As we know, and I worked in healthcare um, during the pandemic, and I saw the major transition. Uh, we went from, you know, uh, everything completely brick and mortar, uh, including our healthcare, to a lot of um, you know, distance online things, what we've done. And um, I think the finding that mix with a hybrid situation, uh, I think both types of institutions could benefit from. You take traditional brick and mortar could offer more online, more options for an even less structure in a classroom. Um, and I think at the universities like Athabasca, um, not necessarily going back to traditional, but um, add the teaching aspect uh, for courses, have pre-recorded lectures for mm-hmm. students who want to, to watch them. So pretty much you could probably, instead of not like a three-hour lecture, but you know, um, get a summary in say 45 minutes uh, for various topics. And that way it's much, the only thing you can't do is ask, ask a pre-recorded video questions, uh, but it would give you more of the brick and mortar but still take the freedom so mm-hmm. I think there's, a, there's a recipe there that they that both both groups can really have success with right you know like um if if an institution were thinking of, of going more online what kind of lessons do you think they could learn from athabasca where have we gone wrong where another institution might be able to fix it or what kind of successes have we had that you would want to make sure other institutions incorporated the successes, I think, um, the formats for submissions and how things are, are generated, um, like in terms of, you know, when you submit assignments, the, everything comes, it, it, the entire website I find, or the online learning, the Moodle, or I guess that's the term, um, is done very well. That's that's the success. Um, I think mm-hmm. one of the lessons that Athabasca has to learn and fix is definitely um their exams uh the, the whole issue of you know um in, invigilated exams mm-hmm. this is the problem and i have a son in post-secondary now uh he actually did his first year 
uh, online, and now he's actually in brick and mortar. So he, he as well has had both experiences. Um, the problem comes with assessments. And I think universities now, from what, from, from my experiences, my, I've been with the organization I've been with 26 years. I think based on what I do and what I manage, I think that we need to move in a direction where we remove a lot of actual exams, like where you have to study and go in and with closed book exams. Um, so I think that's one thing that Athabasca has, has kind of fallen down on. But I don't know if it's something that needs to be fixed because I learned just as much from the courses where I don't have exams as the ones when I do have exams. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're just cramming information in your brain and you're putting it out on paper and you're not going to retain it. Whereas I find if you have more assignments and you do more research, you're learning a lot more versus just trying to memorize information. So I think that's where that's where Athabasca and other universities as well, even the brick and mortar institutions um, can focus more on alternative assessments. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts, Brittany? Oh, that's hard, you know, because I haven't experienced um, Athabasca School. I've only actually mm-hmm. uh, have most of my knowledge from when uh, uh, you and the rest of your EC came down. Um, I I would have to say, like, just from someone who's taken it, um, I I think I'll I'll agree with Blake in the sense that it's important that your like uh, your online sites, the basically the homepage of where you're doing your online uh, sites, whether it be Moodle or Blackboard. I know a lot of people do a lot of different things. It has to be really up to date. It has to be user friendly mm-hmm. and accessible because um, that's such a huge thing of huge reason why people take online courses is the accessibility of it. So when your own resources aren't accessible to your students, well, really, uh, how how are you really embracing the idea of online learning, right? Um, I would I would say that's from an outside perspective. Again, mm-hmm. I don't have any experience with uh, Athabasca, but okay. um, yeah, I would say that would be the biggest thing for me. Um, actually, you know what? I kind of have a question. If of course, you, if you don't mind. Um, as someone that hasn't actually been to an online university, what could I do to, uh, like, because I'm at a brick and mortar university, what can I do to advocate for students that want to be taking those online courses that really like the uh, accessibility and the flexibility of it? What could I do for those students to advocate for them when it comes to those needs? That's a, that's a good question. What could you do to advocate for those students? I, I mean, Blake touched on it, and I think it's it's probably the hottest topic in distance education is assessment, making sure that both the exam environment and the assign, assignment environment are work with different learning styles. And I mean, there's this counter punch of of, you know, like, are you how are you going to use chat GBT to write an essay or what about um an online assessment that ensures you're not cheating. Those kinds of things can become very large barriers to all sorts of students for a variety of different reasons. I think it's important that as institutions develop new ways of assessing their students, that it's done so with keeping those students in mind rather than seeing it as almost like an arms race of, you know, trying to catch people doing something naughty. 
but like that that permeates well beyond just distance education it's just so important in distance education because you know i think there is a view that distance education um, in some quarters isn't seen as as good as brick and mortar and so then we see distance universities and distance courses putting a lot of care and attention to things like exams but you know exams are not the best method by any stretch of the imagination of of testing someone's knowledge or they're or, or figuring out what kind of learning outcomes they're having mm-hmm. so i i know this like goes well beyond just distance education but i would say those sorts of issues are even more pressing uh when we look at distance education but blake's the actual advocate i don't even know why i bothered to answer blake what, what would you suggest i think the uh the onus is really on these universities uh to adapt to find out what works for students now in 2023 Again, my first educational post-secondary education experience was 1995. It was a different world. Uh, if we had some resources where we needed to watch a video or something, it was still brought in with a VHS tape. Uh, <laughs> so using the tools, I know I just really dated myself. Yeah, uh, <laughs> The tools are available now. Um, and I think now that we have the technology and now that we have the tools, you know, the, the, the iPhones and, and all the technology we need, um, use that technology to their advantage to move forward. I think, you know, closed book exams, assessments, those are really, in some instances, you still need them, but in a lot of instances, they're not necessary. And I think rolling with technology and utilizing technology. I know I just did an assignment recently and part of the assignment was submitting a YouTube video. I think that's a great learning experience for students. Uh, and you still, you know, reference, um, you still reference like online journals and stuff during the video. So we have the opportunity and these universities really have to take advantage and say, okay, what do students need? You know, what changes do we need to make me to, to stay in the race? Um, and I think both, you know, brick and mortar institutions and online universities such as Athabasca can do it. It's just they really got to read their audiences more. It's my suggestion. Oh my goodness. That I'm so happy you guys brought up uh assessments. Like I'm an education person, so I'm like such a nerd when it comes to that. But I think like that could be a whole separate topic about Indeed. assessments when it comes to online education, uh, let alone like that plus like the brick and mortar uh physical uh like assessment styles right mm-hmm. so no I'm actually really happy y'all were talking about that because it is such a huge thing um especially with what um you were saying Blake like there's so many different things that you can do now that uh you have like this online learning modality because uh like you can bring it into a physical classroom but it really doesn't hit the same you know it doesn't yeah. feel the same right so I'm I'm really happy uh Y'all talked about it. And thanks for the suggestions. I'll, I've definitely written a few of them down. So I'll see what we can do here. Excellent. Um, My last question. If you guys could give one piece of advice to a student who's tackling an online class or a program for the first time, what would that piece of advice be? Hmm. I think for me, I would go consistency, consistency, consistency. Um, It worked for me. It was a really uh, awesome style for me. Uh, I know some people, it's not always uh, an accessible way. So I fully acknowledge that. But if you do have the resources and the time and the space to be uh, in similar places, that way you can kind of build up uh, your 
I don't know. It's like this whole psychological thing where the more you get used to a place and the more that you do the, like that certain task in that place, the easier it gets. So that's kind of uh, my whole thing is uh, make sure you're being very uh, aware of where you are and what time you're doing it. Uh, Cause that can be a huge uh, impact on your success. And I, that's why I go with uh, consistency. <laughs> that's what I was saying at the beginning. That's, my piece of advice that I would go with. That's good advice. What about you, Blake? What piece of advice would you give a new student? Don't do it alone. Mm. Uh, mm. Utilize the people around you. Utilize the tutors. Utilize everything. You know, the, the books are there. You receive your online books, you have your, your uh, print books. But it was a mistake I made early. And it's it's something I tell new students. Like we network a lot on the uh, on the student-run Facebook pages. Um, we have one for the health administration, one in general for Athabasca. We as counselors are constantly chiming in. Uh, we encourage someone says, hey, uh, you know, I've, I've got some problems with this, you know, this course, I'm having this trouble or, you know, I haven't, it's been a while since I got my assessment back. And we always tell them, call your tutors, you know, or network with people in your program, like put in, put in, put out a, a post on Facebook to say, hey, is anybody doing, uh, you know, HADM 232 or whatever and, and list your courses. So you can get people. And that's how I've done it. Um, you know, and so utilize the tutors, utilize all the resources. Don't hesitate to uh, to reach out to others. and But just don't do it alone. I did the first two years alone and it made it a lot more difficult um, as I got more into this. And ever since I actually really since I became a counselor, I've really networked a lot with students and it made life so much easier. That was amazingly well said. Incredible. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, and, and thank you to both of you. It, it meant a lot to, to AUSU that you guys took some time out of your day to to join us. I know, I mean, this is the the little secret about our podcast. The, the topics that are more focused on students tend to get more students listening. We've had all sorts of guests talking about all sorts of stuff, whether it's politics or, or even something fun. But this is an episode I think a lot of students are going to be able to listen to and reflect on and then put into practice in their education. So thank you to both of you. Oh, yeah, no worries. I, I'm happy you guys uh, invited me here. I was very excited when I got the email. Excellent. Well, I'm so glad you did. And thank you, Blake. Uh, as always, you're very thoughtful and very uh, helpful for our students. Thank you very much. And Brittany, it was a pleasure meeting you too. Nice meeting you too. You know, I think we're a good dynamic duo, Blake and Brittany. Really I agree. Off the tongue. Just, it just smooth. It just rolls. Exactly, exactly. All right, everyone, you've listened to another episode of AUSU Open Mic. Have a great day.